play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Well, g'day, g'day, and welcome to the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Maddie C. Welcome to the Friday show. Now, it is a terrific Friday. Why do I say that? It is our Pro versus Amateur Rules special. This is part two with Mitchie. I've been calling him King of Refs because he's the most senior official we've got on this island. He's the CEO of officials here on the island of Australia for American football, which I think is fabulous to have a guy like that spend his time and talk us through a whole bunch of things that we don't necessarily all understand and we don't all know. And what I love about this, though, is that we've already been through an episode where we covered some great stuff. We covered things like the field markings, some of the differences in mandatory equipment. We talked about some of the differences in uniform and numbers. We talked about the differences between the clock and all things around timekeeping. We even talked about one of the biggest of them all, overtime, because that is so different between the two. And today's show, we're going to cover some other great topics like the special teams, some of the differences there, what constitutes a catch, what constitutes defensive pass interference and offensive pass interference, formations and where to line up, because that's the whole thing. Even scoring and what happens with kicks and missed kicks. Like there's just so much going on there, even down to discipline and conduct rules. So there's a lot to get into. Before we do get into it, I just want to say, firstly, if you missed it, part one was the Tuesday show. So go and find that one. It'll be wherever you found this show and just the episode below and find that there. That You'll get a quality half hour with Mitchie and myself talking all those things. But secondly, before we kick it off, I just want to say too that if you are interested in becoming a gridiron official here in Australia, you can search ago.org.au. That's Australian Gridiron Officials.org.au. You'll have some very, very excited people to make contact with you because it is definitely an underappreciated and undermanned part of what makes American football on our island fantastic. Now, without further ado, I'm going to jump out to the side and introduce Mitchie, and we're going to get straight back into it, and I'll see you on the other end. Haskins has just been an absolute turd. You could be understood for being, you know, skittish about that. Take Fournette out of the lineup. Yeah, mate, I would have run Jeremy's size boner going for him there. <laughs> Your in-depth knowledge of what it's like to be boned this year. We're just going to have to realise that he's just playing like a ginger piece of shit. This is Taylor Nailed, I've got to say. So if you haven't caught part one of this great bumper episode, I'm with my buddy Mitchie. He is, we've described him as king of refs. He's got a more fancy term for it. But we'll dive back in and talk to Mitchie a bit more about a couple more rules. And if you haven't caught part one, I'd urge you to do so. Mate, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions around uh, special teams as well, because I know there's a couple of differences between amateur and professional with sort of some of the things around, you know, the behaviour of what happens with the ball and, you know, fair catching and that kind of thing. Uh, what are some of the differences between amateur and professional with special teams players? Yeah, no worries. There's not huge amounts of, of, of difference between the, the, the two there. Kicking is one of the most difficult things, I think, for probably spectators, players and officials to, to manage within the game. It's fairly similar. Uh, obviously, there's a significant difference in, in terms of skill, uh, aside from our mate Johnny. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Famous Johnny. Go Hawkeyes. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, so there's probably three main differences that, that I – uh, have noted so as you said the, the the fair catch so if you've been watching college for the past couple of years you notice that if you 
do a fair catch in between the 25 and uh, the um, end zone or, or end zone to the 25, then you'll get the ball at the 25. Whereas if the in the NFL, if you did a fair catch, you get the ball at the point in which you uh, made that, that signal and secured the ball. So uh, the reason for that is that uh, the collegiate game noted that most of the injuries occur because of special teams. And so they've tried to lessen the impact of kickoffs uh, particularly. And so they've they've made a lot of uh, changes there around blindside blocks and fair catching uh, where, you know, that that seems to have reduced the incidences or or reduced the incidences of concussions and other aspects there. But uh, that's not there in the the, uh, NFL game. And kicking kicking the ball is another one. So field goals in oh, yeah. in the college game. If you uh, miss a field goal inside the 20, then it'll go to the 20. If you miss it outside the 20, it'll go back to the line of scrimmage from where it was kicked. Oh. Whereas in the NFL, it will go from where the holder receives the ball. And that's usually about seven or eight yards difference between the two. And um, for your more astute observers, sometimes you'll notice there's something lying on the ground near the holder, and that is a beanbag from the officials, and that notes where where that holder was so that if it is a missed field goal, then they can go, oh, my beanbag is there, so therefore uh, the offense will get the ball at that spot. Oh, look at that, a little peek behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz style. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the one. And, and the, the, the final one that uh, I can think of is uh, when you, you've punted the ball you know, there's been no return. The uh, the punt team's running down there and trying to secure the ball as close to the goal line as possible. In the college game, as soon as the ball crosses the end zone, it's dead and it'll go back to the 20. Whereas in the professional game, as long as the ball hasn't been touched by a player in the end zone or it hasn't touched the ground, then it can be batted back into the field of play. So, you know, you sometimes you'll see those players leaping over the end zone and trying to bat the ball back into the field of play. You can do that within the NFL, but uh, in college it looks great, but it doesn't mean anything. Oh, wow. See, I just thought that was overzealousness because I just figured it was like the plane, you know, breaking the plane like it is when you've got the ball and you're driving mm. in. Uh, and I just thought that was a bit of overzealousness. So I like that. It's nice that it's got a function and not just someone who's a bit keen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, when it works, it, it's really impressive and, you know, it can be, you know, a great piece of teamwork where somebody's leaping and batting the ball back and then you've got the other person who's standing outside the end zone to, to grab the ball and it gets down on the two or the one or something. So, wow. uh, yeah, that's, um, uh, I guess, a way to keep your job on the roster in the NFL. Oh, maybe, yeah. I mean, because I'm having trouble dialing up, thinking of a time where this effort has come off. But <laughs> that's also, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just that... Uh, yeah, it's hard to do. It's it, hard to it, do. It's like a 1%. It is, it is very hard to do. Um, it, it's often tried. I guess I, I can't think of, of recent people who've done it. There was a, a guy back in the day, Don Beebe, who used to be very good at it. So, yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. So, and he's, for everyone he, listening there, write that one down. He, Google that up. He's, his son's <laughs> currently playing for the Vikings, in fact. Oh, is that uh, Chad Beebe? Yeah. 
Correct. Uh huh. I have it. I knew as soon as a Viking thing comes up, I know you're all over it. <laughs> and uh, Dar- Dar- uh, sorry, Steve Tasker. Steve Tasker. For, uh, your, oh. your old school people will know Steve Tasker. And there's a name even I know from the old school. Yeah. <laughs> now, mate, I'm a wide receiver, right? And we're talking lines, right? Uh, like, talk me through the sideline and catching and. And just all things sideline, because, I mean, I know there's rules about enforced out of bounds, and I know that the difference between catching in, where are sidelines in play for uh, amateur and professional are different. What are these differences? Yeah, they, they are. So, unsurprisingly, once you hit the NFL, the difficulty level goes up. So, right. so catching, catching the ball in, in college, you need to have uh, one foot inbounds. Whereas in the NFL, it, it's two feet. So, you, you know, you see the, the, the toe tap on the sideline and, and, you know, you need to have both both feet, not at the same time, but both feet need to uh, uh, to be inbounds and to be part of securing a catch. Obviously, you've, you've got the, uh, you know, securing the catch, taking it to the ground, you know, not losing it, those sorts of things. But oh, yeah, surviving the surviving ground. The ground that's right. But, <laughs> but you do need to have uh, two two feet in bounds to to achieve that. The the two feet on the ground. So for the amateur one, where it's only only one foot, does it matter which one is on the ground first? It, it does not. No. So wow, there you go. Uh, oh, oh, it's good. Well, to know. I wish I knew that. Well, I, 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 I should <laughs> clarify that. Unless you're talking about you can't step out of bounds first and then have the other one inbounds um just to be absolutely clear on that you do need oh, okay. need to have a foot inbounds and then anything can happen Before out of bounds catch. correct so cool okay now that that is probably a bit more in line with what i thought and then all of a sudden i thought i was getting like a you know a free pass go free like two hundred dollars there for a second no no but <laughs> saying oh wow i'll just go from one foot out <laughs> catch uh, the other foot in no yeah worries. so so hearkening back i guess to our special teams the uh the, the smart players in in college football if the ball is very close to the sideline when it's been kicked they will have one foot out of bounds and then they'll touch the ball inbounds and because they're out of bounds that means the ball is considered to be out of bounds even though it hasn't traveled out of bounds Love so, you, so your very cerebral players uh, do that in, in the college game. I've seen a couple, couple of those this year so, or last year. Wow, that's like breaking the matrix. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so and, and going back to, to our catches, the, I haven't uh, seen it lately, but um, there, there used to be a rule about forcing out. So if uh, the official deem that you would have caught the ball – but you were pushed out of bounds first, they could say that uh, you'd caught that ball and, and you were forced out. That okay. doesn't exist in, in the college game. I haven't seen that recently in the NFL game, but I believe it, it still exists there. That, that, would, that would be one where I, I would strongly recommend people to, uh, to fact-check me there, uh, but I believe that, that you can be considered to catch a ball if you were forced out. So. Wow. Yeah, that one would be one that is well worth looking up because, I mean, yeah, you definitely see a deliberate attempt by defenders to, well, a, a man is airborne, both feet off the ground trying to reach for a ball to go, okay, I'm going to affect his landing position so that then it is an incomplete catch, even if he holds it in because his feet will not be in. Uh, so that would be an interesting one to, to dive a little deeper on. But then I guess the natural jump from that is to the defensive pass interference, which this is the clearest rule in all of football, right? Easy. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's totally, <laughs> totally not. Uh, yes, 
no subjectivity. No, no, right? just simple, black not, and white. Not at all, not at all. Yeah. So, <laughs> look, the, the the rules are fairly similar. Um, so, defensive pass interference is 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 very similar. Um, uh, you know, in in terms of rules, there's probably not much difference at all. But in in terms of enforcement, there is. So, so yeah. the interference can only be a maximum of 15 yards in the college game, whereas in the NFL, it's a spot foul. So, you know, it can be 40 or 50 yards. So often in, in, in college, you'll see defensive backs basically tackle wide receivers who, who've, you know, sort of gotten past and done a double move and they've yeah. gone, whoops, I've been beaten. And and coaches will encourage that, you know, obviously. Yeah, totally. Yeah, fine. because all, all it can ever be is a 15-yard penalty. Uh, whereas in it, Better than 60-yard That's touchdown, uh, 100%, right? yeah, whereas... The cynical That's play. right, whereas in the NFL, it's... Uh, it it uh, is a spot foul, so it can be uh, a huge penalty there. Uh, I guess a little bit of nuance there that uh, in the college game, as long as you don't touch the person, you can face guard them. So you know, put put their Ooh. you know your hand in in their face so they can't see the ball coming, uh, because typically the receiver is looking at the ball with the defenders looking at the receiver. In the college game, you can face guard. Uh, in the NFL, you can't. So that, that's, oh, that's wow. considered to be pass interference. Now, that one sort of sounds like one too where, gee, is the official making that call? That's you're not terribly popular with a big part of the audience if you call. Mate, he didn't touch him, but he put his hand across his eyes. You can't do that. Like, I can imagine that's a much-loved call. Oh, yeah, look, you know, it's hard to say. I haven't been in the stands for an NFL game. I've, I've been to a, uh, you know, the the um, exhibition match way back in the day that was here in, in Sydney. But, uh, yeah, you, your smart receiver would stop anyway if they felt like, I can't see the ball. If they stop and their defender runs into them, and that's past it if you're all day so yeah, yeah so so the receivers tend to be pretty pretty clued up on on how to draw those penalties uh, a, a little bit yeah, a little bit totally. better than than what they are in college well yeah i guess all of a sudden it's your job so uh you've sort of got to and, and i think your coach would give you an earful if he thought that uh maybe you didn't take advantage of an obvious situation mm. like that yeah um, yeah that's right it's a was it learning uh, learning opportunity <laughs> yeah, that's the, the generous way of saying coach probably smashed you. Uh, mate, look, I, I understand too, you were sort of, you give me a, a few things uh, to think about in preparation. And formations is something that, as a wide receiver for me, it was, oh, which side am I on? You know, am I online or off? And that's all I'm thinking about. Are there a few nuances around formations that are different between amateur and, and the pro game? Yeah, my my understanding is that uh, that there is uh, again, uh, you know, I, I would say fact check, uh, you know, what I'm saying. In college, you can pretty much make most formations work uh, as long as you have seven people on the line, and you know, you, you can typically make that work. Uh, the NFL they require certain people can't be on the end of the line, so often you see the swinging gate. Uh, in, in the college game. So you go for an extra point and they'll have the centre out by himself and they'll have the rest of the people over, you know, over the other side of the field and, you know, they'll, they'll oh, make all, all, all those all those <laughs> different moves. Whereas in the NFL, they've, they've got restrictions on who can be on the end of the line, which make those plays a lot more difficult to, uh, to pull off. And then also because... The hash marks, are, uh, as we discussed previously, are close together. It also makes those plays less sort of, or formations rather, less um, likely to occur. 
Uh-huh. And, you know, something, you know, there's a number of rules that often pop up in, a, in you know, locally when people start playing and uh, the tackle eligible is is something that you, uh, particularly on the goal line as well, you'll see in the NFL that, you know, they'll, you'll see, you know, number 73 catch a, a touchdown pass and, you know, everyone will be, you know, really pleased and the defenders will be embarrassed. Yeah, you get the big guy. That's right. And that happens and those are always That's right. Fun. Whereas uh, in, in the college game, uh, you, you can't report in as an ineligible player to be eligible. So, that's, really? yeah. So if you've got a, a you know a lineman number fifty three to seventy nine, you can never catch the ball. So that, that doesn't matter what wow. you uh, what you say um, and who you report to. That that can't occur. So well, how about that? Because I mean that is a fun play in the NFL, but. Uh... I'm surprised that you don't see that in college now. Yeah, and, you know, again, they've got, you know, what, 80, 100 people. So they've they've got so many subs uh, that they they typically don't need to to worry about that. But uh, in the NFL, because what's the game day roster? 46, 47 people. Uh, Yeah, you're sitting up 46. Yeah, that's right. So sometimes they need to, uh, you know, they need to have those situations where our backup tackle, actually, we need to make him a tight end and, you know, the jersey number doesn't change. So, um, you know, they just report in and away they go. Yeah, those are always fun too because you hear – Sometimes a really astute commentary team will pick up that mm. that's happening and you'll hear about it before it happens. Otherwise, you know, they're sort of gas bagging about something else and all of a sudden it's like, oh, when the, you know, eligible tackle comes in and catches the ball and it's like, you know, all happening mm. after the fact. And that's kind of fun when you hear it happening uh, and the commentary team sort of picks up on it and gives you the warning that this could happen. Because um, I think that gives our defense a whole thing to think about. I mean, obviously, it gives the officials something to think about too. But some, they've had to go and tell somebody in the officials before that happens, I guess. But the, the defense, it's up to whether they pick yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess whoever your you know, quarterback of the defense is, you, you hope that they're switched on and they understand you know, that that player's reported in and uh, you know, you, you've got someone who's covering them. So That side of the ball was an absolute mystery to me as a player. When I got trotted out on defense, it was because things were not going well. Uh, <laughs> so I was definitely not out there to, uh, to try and stop other humans. <laughs> Mate, the, the, the defensive play I would get on for sometimes was in, you know, send out to try and block kicks. And I know that we covered a missed field goal earlier, but the, the PAT became something that changed in the NFL. What's the difference between that in the pro game and the amateur game? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, going, going back to, you know, we talked about missed field goals, but uh, yeah, yeah, point mm. after attempts. So uh, the NFL brought in the, the two-point rule. I don't know. It seems like three years ago. I'm sure it was about 10 years ago uh, from, from the college game. Uh, so that, that's the same. But the NFL has changed their point after attempts. Uh, that was something that they felt was very boring. And then there was talk of removing it yeah. entirely or making it a mandatory, you know, two-point conversion. Uh, the NFL probably went halfway. And so now the, the point after attempts, the ball spotted at the 15-yard line. So, you know, once you add on your seven, seven or eight yards for your holder, it's typically a 22-yard attempt, whereas in, in the, the college game, that's, um, that's on the, on the three-yard line. So it, it's, it's a much closer attempt. Now, obviously, the kickers are better in the NFL, but they, I don't know what the league percentage is of completed kicks, but uh, it's pretty regularly, 
regular rather to see a missed um, point after attempt in, in a professional game. Whereas, you know, that never used to happen um, before that was implemented. Ah, oh, yeah, it was automatic. And I think that was the problem is that people would not watch the play. The touchdown had happened, you'd see a replay of it, and then, you know, you could feel free to do whatever you needed to for a few minutes yeah. because whatever, the next play was automatic and then you're off to run ad. And I think that now, like, because also you're adding the depth of the end zone, it's a 32 to 33-yard kick, and that's not as automatic. And I think the completion, like the 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 success rate has, has dipped significantly where it was – I don't know, 98 yeah, percent yeah. or something like that before they changed it. It's definitely turned that into a real decision, which is probably a good thing. I don't know if you'll know this one. This is just one I learned about along the way of, of enjoying a bit of historic football fandom and, and trying to catch up on things I'd missed. Is there was a, an offshoot league at one point called the World Football League, which sort of introduced a similar idea of not just kicking the extra point, but having like the action point. And this was something that was, I don't know, this league might have been in the 70s. And the action point was pretty much a two-point play, and that was kind of fun. And it's sort of funny how some of these rules, like in the NBA as well, from some of these offshoot leagues where they have spicier rules to try and create points of difference, the established league, who eventually wins out, ends up accepting the idea of some of these rules that have come from the offshoots. And uh, it's great to see the, the NFL sort of doing that because that makes all of a sudden – I mean, how many times a week do we see a two-point attempt – it would be up hundreds of percent compared to where it was five years ago. So, and that, I think that can only be... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the offensive coordinators hate it because, you know, it's another thing that they have to uh, to think about. But, yeah, they've, they've got their uh, script sheet, as I understand it, which dictates when they go for two points. And, yeah, no, I hadn't heard of the action point from the World League. I, I remember... I, don't, I never watched it, but I, I certainly heard of it from back in the day. Uh, the World yeah, League yeah. and then the USFL and uh, and all of those uh, other other leagues. Oh yeah, and then Europe. Yeah, I went. And, yeah, I went, some went cool for a, uh, a NFL Europe game when I was in Scotland uh, many no years way. ago. Not the Claymores. Damn. See, these are teams I've only seen on Madden. I, would, <laughs> so I wish I paid a bit more attention before Europa got canned. But um. Gee, we're, we're getting really close to the end here, and uh, there's a couple of really interesting ones because you see that there's a few different rules around discipline, conduct. Uh, man, these they, are interesting, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, look, it, it's, it's <laughs> uh, probably pretty obvious so from from you know what we've been talking about in terms of the other rules and, and making it more exciting. So, uh, you know, college game, if you've got two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, that's it, you, you're done. Uh, you, you take a shower, you're, you're off the field. Uh, if, you've, if you've got what they call a, f- a flagrant foul, then, then the same thing can occur. Uh, I, I'm not saying it, it doesn't happen, but I've never seen someone... Um, ejected from the game other than for fighting and that uh, it's probably I've heard of it maybe five or six times in my life in the NFL so they they don't want to have the officials making a decision to you know eject an Aaron Rodgers or a um, you know, Aaron Donald or all the Aaron's, all the Aaron's. They, they, want, they, want to, they want to keep them on the yeah. field and that's right. And the way keep that them. they handle that is obviously through the league and, and they get fines and, and, you know, public apologies and all those sorts of things. So, so it's an extremely rare occasion to see uh, someone ejected from the field and, you know, Recently, targeting has has you know hit football, and it's still not well understood from from your average fan or or 
player or coach even. Uh, so targeting is often where you, you see players e- ejected uh, for, for targeting, whereas in the NFL, again, that's just a penalty and then they'll, they'll you know, might assess a, a further fine once the league reviews that footage. Now, I guess for the fan who's, who's not as deep into the rule book, what is targeting? Targeting is an attempt to, again, reduce the incidences of concussion and, uh, you know, back in the day, it was just called a good football hit. And, uh, you know, I think everyone who's played the game has, has had had a bell ringer, you know, back in the day. I know I had one mm-hmm. that uh, broke every clip on one side of my helmet. So, uh, so that was good fun. But, um, yeah, so there, there are two types of targeting uh, and they, they're designed to protect yep. both the defender and the attacker. So typically it can only really be something that is done by a defender to uh, an opponent. Um, There has been, you know, a couple of variations of that, but um, it doesn't happen often. So in in the college game, at least, there's two types. I'm not quite sure where the NFL delineates uh, the same way, but it's uh, hitting a defenceless player above the head or neck area uh, with uh, forcible contact. So you often hear helmet to helmet. So that that's a it's a situation yeah, a where it one. doesn't have to be the helmet. So if I come up and hit uh, a quarterback in the act of passing with my forearm um, in the head, that that's targeting. Um, and, and my helmet could be nowhere near the helmet. So um, often involves a helmet, but not always. And then then you've got um, yeah. Uh, targeting with the crown of the helmet or what used to be called spearing and that's where the defender will come in and use the the, the crown of the helmet to uh, punish a um, a player so they don't have to be defenseless in, in that instance. A little receiver like me coming across the middle, eyes on the that's ball. Right, that's right. And- <laughs> this is why I hate going across the middle, Mitchy. <laughs> oh, you, but you did it anyway. You did it anyway. And that- not, not without pleading to Pete to change it to a six. And, or a- and that's why we loved you. But, um, yeah, and, and, and that, that, uh, that crown of the helmet one is very much there um, predominantly to protect the, the person who uh, uses the crown of the helmet because... That can yeah. uh, compact the spine and, and yeah, cause uh, a lot of damage. It seems odd that you're protecting the aggressor in that one. But then once you explain the, uh, the injury risk, well, now that Yeah, that, that's sense, right. And, you know. you know, look, it was hard. I think, um, uh, you know, over the, the past, I don't know, however many years it's been, you know, really in now, past probably five or six years, I think a lot more people understand mm. Uh, why it's there and, and that it is for all the players, not just for um, protecting the offense. You know, it's not just to, you know, to, to keep the quarterback's uniforms clean. It's actually there to protect um, all the players. Oh, yeah, you definitely hear that you can't breathe on a quarterback without getting yeah. a flight. You hear that a bit. But, I mean, yeah, definitely the world of safety is something that had arrived a little while ago and it's not going away and it's probably for the betterment of the longevity of players' careers and for their own health. I mean, these are people and they've got lives outside the game. So it's, it's probably good to be protecting, well, everyone as best they can without taking away the Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 a, it's a fine line and, you know, you'll, you'll just happen less. Um, they, they've got a, a, you know, obviously a wealth of analytics and, and information to be able to make decisions. But, um, you know, sometimes they'll put a rule in and they'll um, – the next year they'll change that rule. 
you know, you've, you've seen the NFL in their exhibition matches, trial rules, and then change them or change the emphasis. So, you know, it's, it's not a case of once you put something in, it's got to stay there. It, it is an evolving thing and there's input from, from coaches and from other people and, and data that, that helps improve the rules and the safety as, as we go. Well, now this is an interesting little way to finish too because lastly, and you put this way down the bottom, which I thought was really telling and interesting, there are differences between the zebras, you know, the crews and the officials, and you've written something really cryptic, Rule 11. Mate, if this is where we've got to finish, walk me through it. This is like a labyrinth-esque sort of, you know, version of, of mystery. Yeah, I'm, so I'm desperate to know. there's a couple of uh, reasons for this. Uh, the way I structured my notes is basically uh, it was based on the – the IFAF rulebook and the NCAA rulebook and, and Rule 11 is, is the, the rule that pertains to officials. Uh, but also I, th- I thought it was probably the least interesting um, aspect uh, of the changes, but I, I wrote it uh, down just in case. Oh, seriously. <laughs> Come on, this is going to be the most interesting. It's the officials. Don't Everyone people care about officials? Are they people? You know, is, is often, often the question. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that, that is, that is posed. Ah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it probably looks very similar, and, and particularly because you know you, you zoomed in on on the field, you don't see the entire field. Uh, but the main difference between collegiate and, and the NFL. Uh, at least in the uh, uh, FBS and, and the NFL is college uses eight officials, whereas the NFL only uses seven. Yeah, so oh, a, a number wow. of years right. ago, I think, again, it was probably four or five years ago, uh, college introduced an eighth official. So they put another person in the offensive backfield with the, the referee, and that uh, position is known as a center judge. And so... And they and they kept the uh, kept the umpire behind the the uh, defensive line in between the defensive line and the uh, the linebackers, and the reasoning for that was to better get quality calls on holding, to be able to uh, protect the quarterback, and really just to to you know so you didn't have to uh, worry about a left-handed quarterback a right-handed quarterback you could really just manage you know the offensive backfield and, and it just gave you a, a better look at what's going on and the way that the NFL oh. has tackled that problem is they've actually removed the umpire so the umpire has moved it's They've re- retained the positional name, but they've moved to the centre judge position. So the umpire is is back with the referee, and there is no one in the middle of the field. My understanding of why they did that is that umpires are under the most risk. Uh, so you know, run plays, and you often you know there'll be highlights of them getting squashed, you know, by linemen and and running backs and receivers and getting hit by the ball on their head and all those sorts of things. And because the officials tend to be older in the NFL than they are in college, they've yeah. decided to remove that position. And so so they've only got uh, seven seven officials rather than the eight. And there's a couple of other minor differences. So uh, with uh, the um, increasing opportunities and and taking it away from just being an old boys club and the usage of female officials uh, Mm. with both the NFL and college, the NFL has been a little bit more... 
uh, how would you say, uh, a little bit more trailblazing and they've removed the gender from the positional names. So uh, what was called the linesman who holds the, or rather who looks after the uh, uh, the chains on the sideline uh, is now called the down judge, uh, whereas in college they're still called still called the linesman. Ooh. I reckon that'll probably change in the not too distant future, but um, they're still there. So it's really uh, the, the differences between those two. I can't believe you left the most interesting one to last. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's pretty interesting because I think for a couple of things, you know, um, the idea of being able to have that tunnel vision of, of what's going on in the middle of the field for an official where I think that's the first place that players – you know, well, certainly it's the first place I think that a fan tends to erupt if something's missed. Oh, didn't you see that? It was right in the middle of the field. It's the quarterback. You know, I can I can see that being something where just having a dedicated set of eyes on that. And knowing also, too, that you're removing – these are the only guys on the field without helmets and you're removing somebody out of a danger zone like that for the NFL. That, that yeah, makes well, sense. You, know, so you, you can understand that. You often see the, the umpires in the college game being used as, as um, picks for uh, the offense. So, yeah, so in, in, <laughs> in the bad. NFL, they can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, and, and probably fair enough. They, they get away with enough That's of that kind of stuff in the NFL as is, come on. <laughs> but, you, look, you have been just a wonderful, wonderful asset to have on here because uh, you're giving the people what they want. They wanted to know a bunch of these differences, and, and I appreciate you taking the time. You've gone to so much effort uh, to be so interesting and bring us so much information. It's been a, a pleasure to... Uh, to talk to you and um, uh, thanks thanks very much for, for having me on. Now, I also want to just give you a chance to spruik the cause one more time too because what is a platform like this if it isn't something where you can, you know, try and push a message and, and I know that the uh, Australian Gridiron officials would really, really appreciate just getting another plug out there. You can find us on uh, Facebook and uh, our, our website. So if you just look up Australian Gridiron Officials Association on Facebook or ago.org.au. Uh, we're not on Twitter and Instagram. So, um, look, if you uh, think that that uh, is something that we need and, and you're the person to help um, or in any other capacity, uh, we'd absolutely love to hear from you because uh, the only way that uh, we can keep playing the, the game in Australia is with officials and you know, we, we, we always uh, yep. need more people to, uh, to, to keep the game going uh, here in Australia. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. Us Aussie folk can say some odd things. Perhaps a crash course in our language is best attempted in moderation, mate. Clean bold. To absolutely not understand in the slightest or to flat out miss something. Someone threw me a perfect spiral, but I was distracted by Matt Ryan shitting himself on the sideline, and it hit me right in the dick. Clean bold. Another guy who was being drafted like he died too was... Oh, T.Y. Hilton. He's a good receiver. <laughs> he actually doesn't look great. His whole career has been defined by boom. Barkley. Or bust. Yeah. Or hurt. And to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying. A huge F.U. to the vinegar stroke. Well, gee, that was absolutely terrific to go through all of those things, cover off so many things that came up from Instagram and Facebook where people wanted to know about rule differences between what we're going to call pro and amateur. Now, a lot of things that Mitch was referring to are in regards to where these current NFL rules stand versus, I guess, what we're going to call pretty much the consensus of NCAA rules because there are slightly different rules all over the place. And even here in Australia, we play by a modified version of that. So, 
Again, as Mitch said at the very top of the first episode, if you do have any queries about it too, just make sure to look up the most current rule book for your conference. Okay. He's done a wonderful job. It's been great to have Mitch on. He did reference early in the first episode too that this isn't his first jaunt in radio, but he did have to dust a bunch of cobwebs and spiders off to get ready for this show. So, a big, big thanks to you, Mitchie. Good luck to the Vikings through the off-season, mate. They've got that wonderful, wonderful reputation of being such stalwarts in the playoffs like my Jaguars are. So, uh, good luck to you, Mitchie. I'm going to get out of here in a minute. Before I do, I just want to have a quick look down the schedule and give you a bit of a look at what's coming up in the shows for next week. My buddy Evan Flay, who I had on way back in January, he's going to come by again because what we're going to do now after we've already had our first look at Dynasty League Football with Marky Mark, our former champion, and we had Evan Flay come through a little bit later in the month then too to talk about you know, how do you sort of go through a process of picking the differences between rookies who are coming out and what might make you more comfortable, what are good markers to look at, especially with these speedy skill position guys. From the background of being a track and a high performance coach, what we're looking at with Evan this time around will be a little bit more specifically about what players, at what positions are going to be available coming into the NFL this year through the NFL draft, which will be relevant or if you are rookie drafting in Dynasty League football. So, this is sort of step three, maybe you want to say, in our little excursion on Dynasty League football. For those of us who don't play it, and I've got to imagine there's lots of us, for for starters, our league here, the Astro League, is a season-long league and we aren't Dynasty players. But we also run an offshoot called the Keeper League where some of these guys are going to matter because it's going to be teams who've lost players to injury who don't come back or lost players to retirement who don't come back or who've got some older guys who are just going to want to replace them with the young hotness. So, this is going to be important stuff for people who are in those format leagues and I really urge you to come along and join me next Tuesday and Friday with two parters with my buddy Evan Flay. It'll be great. I'm really looking forward to it. And then we're going to have Seahorse come back through and we're going to talk some roster flexibility rule changes and what our league's going to do around that and some of the things that have come up in conversation around that before also doing an absolute, hey, if you've never even played fantasy football before, let's just start talking about fantasy football for dummies right off the bat. This is how we're going to close out the month of February and get into the start of March before we start talking all that craziness around players moving teams through free agency, where some of these players in the NFL draft end up going to and then what their value is going to be like for fantasy football. All those things are still to come, but at least we've got a nice set list of things that are coming up that you can enjoy here on the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. We are at Astro League Podcast. You can find us there. You can ask us questions. You can interact with all our great stuff on there and it gives you a good window of what's coming up each week in the show. And then you can also find us on our new Twitter feed at Astro League Pod. Simples. And we like to post stuff in all three spots over the course of a week to try and help just give ourselves some opportunity to touch points with you because shows like these two come about because of you and the interaction you give us. So, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Matty C and the host of the show. I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to see you next Tuesday with my buddy Evan Flay. Hooroo. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League-specific news, information and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C.